welcome to episode 18 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, and today I'm joined with Matt and Andrew. Unfortunately, Matt Sarkis cannot join us, but we got a big game tomorrow to preview, so the show goes on. UConn. Well, well, first, before we go to the Marquette game, we'll talk quickly about UConn's win over Creighton. The first time the Huskies beat the Blue Jays in program history, it was a 69-60 to victory, really fueled by Adama Sonogo. He had a massive game, 26 points, 9 rebounds, really owning that matchup with Ryan Kalkbrenner, that the rivalry the two have had the past couple of years. This was the first time Sonogo really owned that, so that's good to see. And just overall, a great team win over a tough Creighton team. They're 9-7, and but they're, I believe I saw they're like 17th in Ken Palm with seven losses, so they're definitely a great team overall just had some had a rough stretch there and either you guys have any thoughts on the Creighton game yeah I just want to point out Adama Sinogo in this one coming into this game a lot of people were talking heavy talking a lot about how ball dominant he was in the post and his reluctancy to move it uh, kick it out to an open guy but in this game I would honestly say that's what won us the game uh, Sinogo in the uh, in the post was an animal Kalkbrenner uh, stood no chance at all against Sonogo, and he came into the game in the second half, and we just took off from there. When he came in, it was pretty tight, clinging, uh, did an all right job down there, but uh, Sonogo overall just took over the game uh, entirely, I would say, and, you know, he showed uh, Kalkbrenner, uh, you know, why you shouldn't say those things about him and about the team before coming into a big game like that. Yeah, this was the first time where Donovan really had kind of a rough game, which was fine because it really fueled Sonogo. Uh, Part of that was because he picked up those fouls, those two fouls in like, what, 15 seconds, I think. I mean, the first one was kind of stupid, where I think he tripped Kaluma coming out of the corner. That was kind of stupid. I mean... He just, the play was over. Columbo was going to get the way of why are you fouling like that. But then the second one where he got up on Kalkbrenner, because we all know what Kalkbrenner was trying to do there, trying to lob it to him and get the alley-oop. But uh, Klinger rejected him and got called for the foul, which was fine. But, you know, he picked up those two fouls right after he went in, it seemed. And Adama hardly got any of a, any bit of a break. So that's, I think that's really what fueled him today was knowing that their backup center had was in foul trouble and that he really needed to be effective on all sides of the basketball, which he definitely was. Yeah, Sonogo, he kind of had an off game versus Xavier. Providence wasn't his best either. He really needed this game just to show he's he hasn't fallen off. Not anyone saying he has, but he was in a rough stretch. He needed a big one, especially against, I believe, Kalkbrenner was the preseason defensive player of the year, if I'm not mistaken, in the Big East. So to, just to do that against him, it's huge, especially on a losing streak, like I mentioned. So you need a win. That's the guy who steps up, your team captain for a reason. Yeah, and games like those against Providence and Xavier can really hurt a college guy, uh, especially an entire team. You know, all you guys are struggling with confidence. All you guys are kind of, you know, worrying. There's always a little bit of worry that sets in on a losing streak like that. But, you know, you just got to remember what you are. I said before the game, uh, coming off the Providence loss that they just got to play their ball. They got to play exactly how they've, they've played all season. They shouldn't switch anything up. You know, you win games, you lose games. But the last thing you want to do is change your identity over two losses like that against very tough teams. And honestly, I thought that's what they did. I didn't notice much of a difference in any kind of play calling or any lineups, any rotations uh, between the games. You know, 
keeping some uh keeping Sonogo in there more than Kling in. Uh you know, of course Kling in the foul trouble, but I don't think that really affected his minutes all too much, you know. Uh he got in there. He was coming out late in the second half anyways. So yeah, uh just a great job by them, uh keeping the composure, staying uh with the program, staying with everything and uh keeping keeping their uh record well. And another thing about this game is uh, I just want to highlight the guy right over my shoulder over here, uh, Jordan Hawkins. You know, the thing about him is he's not going to be a big numbers guy as much as a production guy. Um, I think he had three three-pointers because I know he had three foul shots a couple of times, but those three three-pointers are going to come in huge. You know, he's not going to be a guy who goes five for five from three. He's going to shoot the ball whenever he's open because he knows he can. And is he going to make it? Every time, obviously not, but, you know, he's going to be more of a production guy for this team than a, per se, numbers guy. Like, you really want a guy like Sonoro to go 12-13, 13-14, something like that. But, you know, you're fine if a guy like Hawkins goes 4-10, for 5-11, something like that, because he's producing where this team needs it most, which is around the perimeter, but not too much. And, you know, if there's one guy I want shooting the three every time, it's obviously Jordan Hawkins, but I feel like he – got a little bit pushed under the rug because of Sonogo's big 26-point game. So I just wanted to give him the credit where it's due for sure. Yeah, Hawkins, beginning of the game, he hit a couple of threes. He was fouled shooting one early as well, hit the free throws. He's really taking over early. And I'll just talk about some of the rest of the stats. We mentioned Adama with 26, Hawkins 17. Newton, kind of a bounce-back game for him, 13 points, the two or three from three. Uh, Andre Jackson, seven points, nine rebounds. Uh, Alex Caravan, 32 minutes. He only took three shots and won three. He didn't really do too much offensively, but he was in there playing, I guess we'll call it defense. Um, he had two points, three rebounds, and the rest of the bench didn't really do much. Klingon had four points and three boards, but no one else on the bench scored. I mean, I said didn't do much, I meant uh, production wise, didn't do much. Diara. You're not going to see it show up in the statue. He had a clutch deflection in the second half that forced a timeout and the UCONN chant to to go through Ganfield Pavilion. Diara, he's a guy, he may average less than two points per game this season. I wouldn't really care because he gives it his all in his minutes he's in there. And Aline, he kind of struggled when he was in there. He gave some solid defense down the stretch. He was on Kaluma a little bit when they made some switches. And also Joey Calcaterra, he had another... Another another bad game. We'll just we'll call it a bad game. It was. He didn't score. It's his another since the Georgetown game, he scored three points in four games. That's not gonna cut it. I mean, they won the game today, but he needs we we saw what he can give us. I mean, if he can give us seven points per game, eight points per game, which is around his average, that's fine. But he's really struggling to find a shot. I think he'll get out of it. He's a veteran, fifth year in college, but not the best stretch of games for Joey as we start Big East play. Yeah, and, you know, if you're a guy like Joey Calcaterra, a guy like Alex Caravan, you know, you got to show up on the offensive side of the sheet because on the opposite side of the floor is where, you know, things start to get messy. Uh, Calcaterra for a two is a little a little bit small. Uh, Caravan, for his size, can't seem to defend threes or fours. Kaluma had a field day on us. Uh, I would say, you know, where Kalkbrenner, uh fell short, Kaluma made up for it, and I feel like he was the reason the game Stayed as close as it did for as long as it did. We would pull out, pull away a little bit, and then they would come back, and then we'd pull away a little bit, and they'd come back. And it was just a trend throughout the whole game that 
you know, when Caravan's in there on Kaluma or Calcaterra's in there, you know, they go on these runs and, you know, Klingon's foul trouble, you know, I'll put it on him this game, but, you know, if you have dudes running at you all the time and going right at you, you know, it's hard, you know, you need your perimeter guys to do their job, which, you know, guys like Diara do well, Aline do well, even when the offensive production isn't there, you know, they're going to be there on the defense and it's really going to help you out. Yeah, you mentioned Kaluma, 14 points, 16 rebounds. And for Caravan as a whole, this is a rough stretch for him. The past three, maybe even four games, we've played some very tough power forwards, Bryce Hopkins, Zach Fremantle, Kaluma. Even the next game with Marquette, Omax Prosper, if he's there, even also Godaro may see some time at the four. So those are great players. A lot of the best players in this conference are big men, not, not true centers, but like those forwards, like I mentioned. So it's a tough spot for Caravan to be in, in a spot I think we see maybe split minutes with Samson Johnson in that game if he's healthy, which I hope. I'm not sure if he'll be back for Marquette. I hope he will. I haven't seen anything on that. But, yeah, tough stretch for Caravan defensively. I just want to bring up something here. I just want to see what you guys have to say about it because me personally, I've been thinking about it a little bit. Alex Caravan moving down a slot. Put him into the two. Um, I know we're pretty jacked up there we have a lot of you know talent there but if, if you can't guard the big guys I mean what is he really doing on the offensive end that is pushing him to that three four role he shoots the ball really well and he could get to the paint if you could have a bigger two guard out there to have on a lot of these big east guards I don't really see that as much of a problem the way the big east is played um just just food for thought just let me know what you guys think about that he's got to guard the biggest guard that's on the floor really is what it comes down to because those forwards they're just pushing right out of the paint I mean I'd rather have Jackson him and Jackson switch on the defensive end because Jackson is tough down there you know he doesn't take crap from anybody um and I I mean I don't want to call him the word I'm I was going to but I mean Carabin's just like his defense hasn't been great to start but I would rather much rather see him guard the three and have Jackson guard the four, or really, like, not even position-wise, just the biggest guy on the floor have Sonogo guard, and then the second biggest have Jackson, because Jackson's quick, little undersized, but he can get up there. But, yeah, I just haven't seen a lot of what I like from Caravan's defense, so I'm definitely going to agree with you, Matt, there, because it's just it hasn't been great so far. Yeah, and having a guy like Andre Jackson on the team, like he mentioned, is very valuable, especially when you have an issue like this. I'm not sure if you guys remember, but uh, Andre Jackson gives me a little bit of that Gerald Green vibe from whenever it was, 2015, 2016, when the Celtics expanded him essentially the entire floor because Amir Johnson couldn't get a rebound. Um, having Andre Jackson on a team where you're struggling with defense is like a godsend because you can put him anywhere and he can guard anyone. I would say except for center, you could put him one through four. He'll bring the ball up. He'll guard the best player on the other team. And it gives a lot of guys a chance to kind of, you know, not really take a break, but to get an easier matchup and to kind of, you know, save their energy for the offensive end, which, you know, we've kind of needed with guys like Calcaterra and Aline. And those guys aren't showing up. So, yeah, definitely a good thing to have Jackson there when uh, this is an issue. So I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here. I mean, if you play Caravan at the two or the three, I think the two is a little unrealistic for him, maybe the three. I assume, unless you're considering Jackson the four, it'd be when Samson comes back and he'd be the four, Sonogor clinging the five. Those are three guys who really you can't, you don't want them handling the ball 
I, I would prefer to have three ball handlers on the court at all time. I mean, obviously, if Caravan's at the three, you'd imagine Hawkins or Jackson and then either Newton or DR or some some combination of the guards. But if you consider Jackson a four, you can I agree with that. But if you have Caravan, Johnson and a center out there, I don't think we'll see that lineup too often, especially with some of the quick guards we have in this conference. And I'll just go through the rest of the Creighton stats real quick, and then we'll move on to the Marquette game. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, nine points and four rebounds, really just outmatched by Sonogo, despite he's physically, he's a taller dude. He's like 7'1", I believe, but Sonogo grabbed twice as many rebounds. Baylor Shireman, he struggled shooting one of seven from deep. He's the transfer from South Dakota State. He didn't have his best game. Ryan Nembard, 12 points, and he had zero assists. And I was just looking at box scores before we came on, because I know he's a great point guard, probably one of the best true point guards in the conference. And there was only one game outside of this one. He had fewer than four assists all season. So it's huge to do that. It shows we're limiting him on offense. Then Trey Alexander, another one of their one of their core five, I'll call it. They really only play five guys. He had 11 points. So they got okay production out of their top guys, but no one really was the star that they needed to win. Like no one on the bench played more than 10 minutes in this one. And the one that was closest, Fran Farbello, didn't take a shot. So they really, they're five deep, which could be an issue come Big East play. And I think now before the Marquette game, we're going to, we're going to do a little SeatGeek ad read. And I know Andrew, you had something in mind here. So I'll let you, I'll give you the floor. Yeah, you know, we're going out to Marquette, out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if any of our viewers, you all want to take a uh, a weekday trip, midday in the week to out to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, then you know who to get your tickets from, SeatGeek, using our code HBTH. You know, hotels, flights are expensive, and so is the cheese in Wisconsin. So 20 bucks off your ticket if you use our code HBTH. So make sure to use that if you're going out to Milwaukee. Support the Huskies on Wednesday night. Yeah, that game, I'm looking at SeatGeek right now, the app, starting at $22. That's $2 if you want to use the code HBTH and get your $20 off. I mean, in Milwaukee, the same arena the Milwaukee Bucks playing, maybe you'll see Giannis, who's basically Adama Sonogo. You guys either know what I'm talking about or have no idea. We're not going to get into that right now for some other reasons. But, yeah, use code HBTH if you want to head out to Milwaukee on Wednesday. And I think we'll move into the Marquette preview here. Marquette, just today, the new AP poll drop, they're in there, number 25. So this is a top 25 road game for the Huskies. And just quick side note, UConn fell from four to six. No surprises we fell. I honestly thought we fell a little lower, but number six, UConn versus number 25, Marquette. Marquette, they got some – they're an interesting team. They're another group that really has their core starting lineup and then just not minimal bench production, but less than a typical team. I guess less than us. I'm not saying we're the typical team of bench production, but Marquette, they are standings wise. They are in they're, they're five and one in big East play 13 and four overall. And the one loss was at Providence where we also fell, but in double overtime, they're really solid team. Shaka smart's a great coach and it's going to be a tough game. Last year it was a UConn win at Marquette. That was in December of 2021. I believe there's a, Certain friend of the pod, Tyler Polly, had a great game there. So, yeah. And you guys have any thoughts on the Marquette game? Yeah, you know, this was this was set in the beginning of the year to be a trap game, and it's really not anymore because Marquette is ranked number 25. 
Um, I might start a war in the comment section with this, but I feel that Marquette has the best coach in the Big East behind, of course, our beloved Dan Hurley. Um, Shock is a very smart coach, really knows what he's doing, uh, knows how to calm his team down. I mean, he he led his team through that really tough double overtime game that was uh, at the Donut Hole Arena over there in Providence, I believe. And I mean, they lost that game, but he led a team that's like, I don't know how to describe it. Like there's no like standalone player really on that team that you say, oh yeah, that's their best player for sure. But they're just, they're a good team, very well coached. So really we have to watch out for this Marquette team, especially on the road. Again, you know, I don't know how many people are going to be at that game, you know, Wednesday night in Wisconsin, who knows, but uh, still on the road either way. And this could, this could be a game that we drop because we come into it lightly, you know, after a big win against Creighton on top of the world. And then Marquette probably out coaches us or something like that. So we really got to, we got to look out for the defensive play from the guards, I think is going to be the big key for this one. The teams that have beaten us so far, um, they've had that, that guy, you know, uh, Providence, Obviously, blanking on the name now, not important, but he had 27 points. We do a good job at containing deep, balanced teams because we are the same thing as them. Uh, Marquette are coming in with a very deep, sort of balanced overall team. Obviously, they have Cam Jones. Cam Jones won player of the week earlier in the year. I covered them during the Big East preview. I said a lot of things that were you know, good about them. They beat Baylor, obviously, at the beginning of the year. But one thing I said was that they're kind of inconsistent. Um, they beat the big teams. They beat up Baylor. And then, you know, they're they're, they're beating Radford by 10. Uh, I don't know what's up with that. Um, I think if we could keep our big man play solid, uh, we should come away uh, from there with the victory. Uh, Sonogo, obviously, I feel like he's going to have a big a big game. Uh, Olivier Maxens Prosper is the guy to, is the guy over there that that might be on him. I'm not entirely sure what lineup they're going to run, who the uh, preferred center is over there. But um, I feel like Sonogo shouldn't have trouble replicating what he did last game. Maybe not to that extent of 26 and nine, but you know if he could get 20 points and 10 rebounds, 20 points, eight, seven rebounds, uh, we should be okay. Uh, what it's really going to come down to is guard defense. Um, I feel like we might see a, a lot of Hassan Diara this game, uh, looking like one of the better perimeter defenders in the Big East, one of the better guard defenders in the Big East. Uh, very gritty player. Uh, he forced about three or four turnovers in about five minutes uh, last game against Creighton. And I remember just watching and thinking, dang, he's going to have like a lot of steals tallied up in the end. He only had one steal. Uh, he does a lot of stuff that won't show up on the box score. But when you're watching the game, you realize just how valuable he is. Him and uh, Aline tend to be in the game together a lot at the same time. And the defense, when we're out there, is just swarming. Uh, when we came back against Georgetown, him and, Aline, him and Aline were on the court at the same time, along with Klingon uh, and Calcaterra. That lineup seems to be the preferred defensive lineup when you need stops. And if one of them could get hot, you know, you can drag a game out. Calcaterra, that game against Georgetown, happened to be the guy 14 points. But we're going to need to out out them on the on the bench. We're going to need to win this game on the bench because we're no we know what we're going to get with our starters, but you know, they have the same strengths we have. So we have to see, you know, who's going to come out on top of that one. 
Marquette, they're a team that they have a chip on their shoulder all season. They were picked ninth in the preseason poll. And now this is, they just rejoined the top 25 today. It's the second different time they've been in the top 25. They're much better than that ninth. And I understand why they were picked there. They lost their best player and one of the best players in the conference, Justin Lewis. Also Kirk Weth, who's now RJ Cole's teammate, if you remember from that uh, RJ Cole episode we had. The great shot blocker, he's gone. Uh, Daryl Morcel, he was the Maryland transfer, great defender, he's gone. So it makes sense. They didn't really add too much, per se. So it makes sense they had the ninth in the Big East preseason poll. But they're definitely much better than that. A team you should not take for granted. And I remember, Andrew, you said that when we were back in December, we were thinking, when is UConn going to lose their first game? You said this one. And I still think it's a possibility. Even, even now, we may drop this one. It's a little... Big East row games are always tough. We know that already. I just want to go back on what I was talking about. Bryce Hopkins. Bryce Hopkins was the guy. I'm not sure how I blanked on that. Yeah, you're good. We're trying to get that out of our memory, so you're fine. And we mentioned a couple of names that are currently on the Golden Eagles. Cam Jones leads the team 16 points per game. Omax Frosper, he's really like, he's there. I'm saying this again. He's there. Andre Jackson. He's a very lengthy athletic player. He doesn't really have the playmaking of Jackson, but he's more of like a scoring Jackson that doesn't playmake, I guess. So he's not really not like Jackson. I don't know where I'm going with that, but he's a player to watch. I think Andre should guard him because, because he's like, he'll be at the four to start. I believe. Yeah. He'll be at the four. I think Andre should be on him. I mean, we see caravan, guarding these athletic forwards like I mentioned he struggled I we need to see Andre on Omax Prosper they also have Oso Iguodaro who's 6'9 like Sonogo as their center he's kind of a smaller guy he's also more of a playmaking guy he averages three and a half assists per game so he's kind of like replacing Justin Lewis's stats as a whole so far this year and Tyler Kolek is a guy we really have to watch out for not really scoring wise he's averaging 9.2 points per game but he's averaging eight assists per game, which is good for third in the country. And in college basketball, it's kind of hard to average that many assists. You don't see it too often. I mean, Tristan Newton's a phenomenal point guard. He's averaging around four, little over four assists per game. And that's with a couple of like 10 triple double. He had a triple double of 10, 11 assists. So it's really hard to do that. So that's impressive to me. He's a guy when he has the ball, he's always looking for his open teammates. So we got to be aware of that on the defensive end. And like I mentioned, they're not really too deep after that. They have Stevie – wait, is it Stevie Mitchell? Yes, Stevie Mitchell. He starts as a guard. And they also have uh, David Joplin off the bench who averages 10 points per game. And after that, they have a couple of freshmen, Chase Ross and uh, Sean Jones, but not too much after that. So I think our depth could wear them down. I think this is a game we may see a press early. I know usually the past couple of games, there's villain, the ones that come to mind, Villanova and Creighton, we pressed in the second half with Diara and really forced some turnovers. I think we'll see that almost right out of the gate here. I mean, they're not the deepest team. They have some contributors, but it should be interesting to see. And I think that'll just about do it here. Actually, no, we'll do one more thing. We'll each choose a UConn player to watch for this one. And I'll go with Joey California. I mean, Cali boy has been missing since December 20th versus Georgetown. We, I think this is a game. I mean, I've said this pretty much every episode and it hasn't happened, but I think this is a game. He hits a couple of threes. Maybe that, maybe that building is built for our clutch shooters like Polly last year. I think this is a Joey game. We get three, maybe even four triples who knows, but he's due he's overdue and he's a fifth year senior. 
He played four years at San Diego. He's a veteran. He He's just in a funk. He'll get out of it, and I think this is the game to do it. I feel like we're officially uh, coming to the end of Andre Jackson triple-double watch. I feel like this is the game he doesn't does it against smaller uh, center in Iguodaro, who's going to be focused on Sonogo. And, you know, he's going to be matched up against someone very similar to him. I feel like they're going to be nervous of his three-point game because he's had that down the past few games, and especially last game against Creighton. It, it, was, it was consistent. He's starting to look consistent. I got a feeling they're not going to guard him like teams usually do. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna press up on him. And I feel like he's going to be able to get to the basket a lot. He's going to score at will this game. I feel like this is going to be his best game this season. This is Andre Jackson's game right here. I'm going to go with Hawkins because I've noticed in the last couple of games that he's been doing a really, really good job of creating his own shot. And, you know, some people might not like when he gets it and immediately pulls it, but this kid's doing a great job creating his own shot with the dribble, not even really pushing off or anything. Like, he's starting to look more and more like Book Knight. Uh, it's funny that after I said that, he started doing it. Who knows? Maybe he heard me. Another conspiracy. He watches the pod and listens to Andrew Warren's basketball advice because God knows I'm number one coach on that team. But uh, I think I just think this is a game where he goes off for over 20, uh, maybe even over 25, just because I don't know how well Marquette's going to guard him. And even like with the shock rating, like they might give up the the inside to him or something. So I'm, I'm going to say Hawkins to watch out for for this one, because this is a game where if people aren't on Newton, California, even if Caravan is not on, then Hawkins is just going to take control of this game and cruise by the Golden Eagles. All right. And now I think that'll just about do it here for this episode. I We previewed the Marquette game, quick recap of Creighton. It's going to be a great game Wednesday night, win or lose. It's going to be a tough one. All Big East battles are. And yeah, hopefully we maybe will have a another episode out before the St. John's game on Sunday. We also may be doing something special potentially for the Marquette game. We're not sure about that. So we're not going to announce anything as of right now, but look out for something potentially. Well, I'll make an announcement. I'll make it clear, but yeah, thanks for watching and stay tuned.